the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Good afternoon to you, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your Academy Award-nominated guest host. I actually once had a dream, for real, this is for real, that I was the host of the Oscars. No joke. It was a very realistic dream, too. I get those realistic dreams. And I was just walking down the street uh, looking at the stars or something, and they pulled me in, and I was suddenly the host of that show. And uh, I ad-libbed through it. I had a great time with it. I just I just made fun of people, and I talked like Jack Nicholson most of the time, and you know, whatever. And uh, I had a good time. They say that if you drink apple juice right before bed, you have very vivid dreams, and I would I would testify to that. It's crazy. Anyway, um, welcome to the program. In real life, I am your guest host today for Southern California Live. And uh, this program is on every day from 3 to 5. So make sure you've got that on your calendar. You can tell your Siri or Alexa to remind you to tune in to either KKLA if you're in the Los Angeles area or KPRAs, KPRZ in the San Diego area, every day from 3 to 5. And we like to come to the table, have some conversation together, some encouragement, some fun, and uh, look at things from a Christian perspective. You can give me a call on the program. Be a part of the conversation. 888-LA-TALKS is the phone number, 888-528-2557. That's 888-528-2557. I recommend that you put that in your phone right now. Just put it in your contacts. That way it's always there. And uh, if you're thinking, I want to be a part of this conversation, you just tell your phone, hey, call SoCal Live, Southern California Live. And uh, you can do that. You can also email me at any time. Uh, email the show, uh, SoCalLive at KKLA.com, SoCalLive at KKLA.com. All right, here we are. Tuesday, another fine, beautiful afternoon here in Southern California. Tuesday, we are together, and I've had my coffee. Do you want to bet on how many cups of coffee I've had today? We should have some kind of contest where you guess how many cups of coffee the Scott Furrow host has before the show. And uh, you can call in. You could win some kind of prize. I don't know. We don't really have anything to give away. It's not that kind of a show, actually. Uh, But, you know, maybe we could give away a case of turtle wax once in a while or uh, a copy of the Southern California Live with Scott Furrow home game. And you can just take that home and you can pretend you're on this show all the time. That sounds like fun. So do you, you can make a bet on how many cups I've had today. You can guess maybe when you do call in. Here's a question for you. Speaking about that, do you gamble? And I mean, you know, do you, uh, you know, go to Vegas? Do you go to your local, uh, uh, do we still call them Indian casinos, Indian casinos, Native American casinos, tribal casino? What's the, there's probably, I'm not trying to make anybody upset. I don't know what the term is for that. But you know what I mean? Uh, there are plenty around us. Uh, and do you play the slots or do you play, maybe you play the lottery. Is that uh, the same? I, I think it's a, it's a similar thing. The odds are much worse for you, I think, with that. Um, Here's some thoughts. This has been a big story in the news because of Super Bowl betting and because of a few other things. Uh, And I'm asking also because this fall, sports betting will be on the ballot in California. Did you know that? It already got approved in New York. I've been seeing, I've been wondering about this because I keep seeing whenever I'm watching a sporting event, 
and even sometimes just listening to the news, I hear these commercials for these apps on your phone that you can, you bet, I guess you place bets. And I'm thinking, I thought this was illegal. Um, and uh, what's up with that? And I looked up, yep, it's illegal in California, um, but uh, not in a lot of states. And because of that, sports betting, and in particular this Super Bowl, um, it's it's a huge deal, the betting that's going on on there. What do you think about that? And I'm asking also because there is an, a very interesting um, plug that's going to happen, I think, this fall as they start to put this on the ballot. You know, they want to give you a good reason to vote to allow uh, sports betting. Uh, you know, it's not going to go to schools, the, that money. Like, remember, the lottery came out, and it's, it's going to go for our schools, you know, and then the guilt trip was support the lottery because you can help our schools. How have our schools done in the past 40 years? I bet they've gotten millions and millions of dollars uh, from the lottery. Are they millions and millions of dollars better? Just uh, not really the subject for today, but uh, uh, that's out there. So Super Bowl betting is a really, really big deal. Uh, 31.5 million Americans, they believe, are going to gamble on the Super Bowl this year. And a lot of it like real gambling, not just your uh, workplace pools you know, or things like that. What do you think about this? 888-LA-TALKS is the phone number, 888-528-2557. Uh, what's going to happen here uh, is there's an interesting, an interesting angle to this, okay? Sports betting could help. This is a, I'm reading this as a, a headline from uh, Bay Area News Channel. Sports betting could help end homelessness in California. So it's not going to be for the schools. It's going to end homelessness, sports betting. And you know, my first thought with that was, okay, I guess that's gonna, that'll work. The homeless guys who seem to have iPhones an awful lot of the time, they'll take their iPhone, they'll download the app onto their iPhone for the sports betting, and I guess they'll use the dollar that you give them at the freeway exit to bet on whether or not Trevor Bauer will ever pitch again for the Dodgers. You know that story, Trevor Bauer. Trevor Bauer was suspended last year for uh, uh, he was accused of sexual assault. And uh, today um, he's not going to be charged, the, uh, uh, the courts have said. And the reasons for that are there wasn't a lot of evidence on uh, the woman who was charging him side. In fact, she had a bunch of texts where she was, I don't even want to get into it, but uh, that's a whole different story there. But he's not going to be charged. Major League Baseball is still going to pursue the investigation. Um, but that's an interesting story if you're a baseball fan. If you're not a baseball fan, uh, we can move on back to what the homeless people are going to do to uh, get out of homelessness because of sports betting. I think that might be the angle. So that's going to come. 888-52-TALKS, 888-528-2557. Call me and what do you think about that? Super Bowl betting, highest ever for any Super Bowl. This seems to be the direction of our, our country, too. and it's, a, it's just more the the hope of getting rich I think is what drives that. The Rams, our Los Angeles Rams, are favored to win by three and a half. But bettors, according to uh, people who track that kind of stuff, are more likely to bet on the Bengals. Um, and uh, probably because they're also the slight underdogs. But I think people looking at this think they're the Cinderella story of this year. They could pull it off, even though for sure the Rams are the better team. Um the betting isn't just winners and losers. Do you know this? I'm not telling you this to get you into it because uh, one of the things I would point out with uh, any sort of gambling is that there's a reason that those casinos 
uh, can build such nice towers and make everything gold and give you the cheap stakes and whatever else they do, uh, it's because they're taking your money. Uh, the House will win eventually. I'm not sure that it works that well that well with the state because the state has a way of getting more money and just finding new ways to waste it. Um, but the people who are gambling tend to not win most of the time. But something else that's happening with the sports betting is that you can bet on just about anything. So it's not just winners and losers. Um, this year you can bet on uh, will more points be scored in the first half or the second half plus overtime. And you can bet most people think the first half will be more points scored. I don't know about that with these two teams. I, I would guess the second half. I'm not betting. Not going to do it. Uh, will the largest lead of the game be over or under 14 and a half points? It's that half point that throws people off, right? So that's actually three scores in football. Um, or it's uh, two scores with one two-point conversion. And that's one of the other questions is will there be a two-point conversion? You can bet on that. Uh, you can probably bet on uh, how many times the ball will get thrown, how many times the ball will, will get thrown behind the 50-yard line. Uh, what's the shortest touchdown of the game? Will it be over or under one and a half yards? There's just all kinds of things. This is where we're at with our culture, and apparently we're doing this to help the homeless. Uh, that's going to be the argument here <laughs> coming up. Uh, I shouldn't laugh. It just, maybe it's just me. I just feel like we're, we're spiraling into ridiculousness here as we're trying to find new ways to help people uh, through other sins that will cause people to be homeless. I counseled a guy one time who lost his house uh, to gambling right here in uh, Southern California casinos, and he actually said to me he doesn't think he has a problem. Uh, there yesterday was uh, a nun convicted for, for embezzlement from the school where she worked uh, right here in the Southland. And she took over $800,000. That's what she was caught with embezzling over the years, $800,000. And what did she do with it? She gambled it, um, that, a lot of it like that. Um, it is uh, a huge problem. A lot of people, when, they, when they're dealing with embezzlement, uh, especially when it's from church or from uh, schools like that or nonprofits, even companies who do that, Gambling is what drives that crime often. Did you know that? So what it is is you, you take, you know, the 20 bucks or whatever you start off with and you go, you know what, I'm going to take this and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play the lottery with it. It's only 20 bucks and the lottery is a billion dollars, so I want to see if I could win that and I'll just replace the money later. Nobody will notice. And then you play the 20 bucks and uh, you win $2 and then you play that and you lose it and you got nothing. Uh, so now the thing is, is that you think, well, it was only $20. I'm going to take $100 because if I do $100, then I have a much better chance of winning. And uh, you do that and you will lose the $100. And now you're $120 in the hole to the place you work. And pretty soon you just keep gambling and you keep telling yourself, well, when I win, I'll pay it back. And when I win, I'll pay it back. Well, you don't win. It's almost never that you win. And then you go down one or one of two directions with it. You either get so much in the hole and you have so much guilt, you just have to keep taking it and taking it, and then you have to bet more and more because you're hoping that you win the jackpot somewhere so that you will have enough to pay it back and then you can get out of the hole you're in. So people either go down that road or you just realize, I've been doing this for a few years and uh, I kind of like it, and you just become a crook and you start taking the money and pretty soon you're gambling on stuff, and uh, but you're taking so much money at this point 
that now you're taking your family, you know, on vacations and other stuff. And they're going, you know, hey, uh, where did you get all this money? And you're like, well, I got a few bonuses at work. You know, great Christmas bonus this year uh, down at the Jack in the Box where I work. Uh, down at the uh, nonprofit, at the church. You know, it's amazing what they can pay in these churches ever since the uh, pastor got a satellite television show. And you make up whatever story it is, but eventually you will get caught. Eventually, somebody will figure it out, and it happens all the time. See, this is something that drives people the wrong way. I know there are plenty of people out there, and maybe that's a question for you. Do you gamble? What's your routine with it? Is it something you feel like you can do? Um, or is it something that uh, you think that, but you really shouldn't? Where you think that, like my friend who lost his house, who doesn't think he has a problem. Um, man, I've dealt with people like that. You know, they're twenty, thirty, forty thousand in debt and credit cards, and it turns out really it's gambling. That's the reason they don't have any money, but they never have a problem with it. So you can bet on all these kinds of things. So here's where this is going. And I thought, you know, another headline today: Bay Area calls on homeowners to help house homeless residents. We're getting into a place with the homelessness in California, and it's in all the big cities. It's huge here in L.A. Uh, L.A. is maybe not as bad as San Francisco, but it's on its way, I would say, my opinion. And San Diego is not as bad as Los Angeles with it, but it's headed there. That's definitely the, the trajectory. And over time, there's been all these different things to try to help the homeless and to try to um, relieve the situation, and it seems like maybe money is the thing that's just going to help. We're just going to throw money at the problem. That tends to be what we do from the government standpoint, and uh, it's not working now. It's happening in the Bay Area. It's become so desperate that now they're calling on you and me to help house the homeless. Let me ask you this question. Would you do that? Now, let's get down into, into this, really. We're a Christian show, does Jesus want you to house the homeless in your house? <laughs> I'm not trying to put it, make it that heavy. I guess I'm getting really heavy. Is that the wise thing to do? Maybe I'll put it there. Is this a way that people of California, and maybe more so the church in California, can help with the homeless crisis? 888-LA-TALKS is the phone number. You can call right now, 888-528-2557. And I'd like to hear your thoughts about this. What is it that we can do? Um, And would you invite a homeless person into your house? Is this something that you would actually do? Um, Do you think that the the bedding thing is a good idea or is that a bad idea? Are there any new ideas? Uh, What are the things that you think we can do? And really, you know, should we move homeless people into our house? Have you ever done that? I know people who have done that. Uh, I know people who have gone out to uh, homeless encampments and they're meeting with people and, you know, you do this and you you hear the stories and um, sometimes those stories uh, ring very true. Sometimes it's the exact same story with different people because I think there's a manual that gets handed around and says, here, here's the things that you say and people might give you money. Uh, I can't tell you how many people I know who have been in Southern California, but they need money to get up to the Bay Area tomorrow because they have a surgery scheduled, because they have to pick up their kid from school, because they've got uh, some kind of court hearing about something. And I'm thinking, you never have the answer for why you're down here, though. Like, if you've got surgery tomorrow, if you've got to pick up your kid, why are you in San Diego? Why are you hanging out here in Huntington Beach? Why are you in Los Angeles? What's the deal? Why And why have I heard this exact same story 
over and over and over again. Is somebody selling something? It's a, you know, somebody's probably marketing things. 888-LA-TALKS, 888-528-2557. We'll get to your calls here in just a minute. Bay Area calls on homeowners to help house homeless residents. And one of the things here it says is it's hard to find owners willing to take a chance on someone down on their luck. Now, there are definitely people who are homeless who are down on their luck. Maybe that's one way to describe it. But an awful lot of the homeless, I think a lot of the problem that we have is that we say that somebody is down on their luck when actually they are so heavily into addiction and other mental problems and other things going on that to say they're down on their luck is just insulting. It's just completely unbelievable. 888-52-TALKS is the number, 888-528-2557. Let's go with Fred in Los Angeles. Fred, welcome to Southern California Live. Hi. Hi, Fred. I, um, I had a terrible experience. I'm a little hoarse. I just got over a cold. I had a terrible experience with a homeless person. Uh-huh. I let him move in his van into my driveway because he was chased off the street. Okay. And I told him a couple of months, I gave him, I'll help him. He moved in my garage, and I couldn't get rid of him for four years. Four years, okay. In fact, yeah, he was four years. He had a van in my driveway. He was taking the parking space up. It didn't move for four years. He, and then he jumped it. But he became really belligerent. I really extended my hand to him. He became belligerent and threatened me. And I wasn't collecting rent or anything. That wasn't the intention. It was just to give him a hand up. Yeah. He threatened me, would take me to court, and I'd have to pay him to leave because in California and in L.A. in particular, if you offer a room to somebody in your house or some place in the state, they legally become a tenant, That's whether right. they're paying rent or not. And you have to go through an eviction process in L.A. City until the end of January. I don't know if it's been pulled now, but you couldn't evict anybody. Yeah, so no, I think that's the same rule today. It's just that the fact is, a lot of these people, I don't know all of them, but my experience was very negative. I would never do it again. I'd never open up my um, my situation to somebody like, because he seemed really nice in the beginning. He was really friendly, really cordial, really polite. As soon as I told him I really need the driveway again and I need my garage back after, it was like two years or two and a half years. He basically told me, go to hell. You're mm. going to have to pay me to leave. How did you finally and get him out? A friend. Yeah. Well, I got him out. Not through the I had a friend who um, uh, kind of spoke to him sternly, uh, kind of an ex-gang member. And it was an absolute, it was an absolute miracle. The guy's not a gang member anymore. But what he said was, you know, you, Fred, you, Fred extended his hand on friendship. It's years now that you've been here. It's time to go. So you brought uh, so you brought in an ex gang member who gave him a, an offer he couldn't refuse or something. Yeah, yeah. All right. The guy's a Christian guy. He wouldn't have done anything. He was, he was just bluffy. <laughs> but praise God. make him an offer he can't um, refuse. Yeah, praise All right. God. The guy, the guy believed it. But that's my experience. All right, Fred. Uh, I understand that. Thank you for calling. I know a lot of people have had that experience. I have had that experience not at my own home, but in. Uh, Homeless people I've tried to help out at church, man, I have been taken advantage of sometimes. Now, I've really helped some people, too. We'll get to that another time here. i got a lot of calls here, 888-LA-TALKS, 888-528-2557. Janie, is it Janie or Jane from West Hollywood? Welcome to Southern California Live. Janie? Jane. Jane? 
You with me, Jane? I e. So listen, I would totally help someone if God puts it on my heart to help. I'm a yeah. helper. I'm a giver in nature, anyways. But if God put it on my heart to help someone, I totally would because I know I trust that the Lord's not going to jeopardize me helping someone else. But yeah. what I want to ask, can I ask you a question? Absolutely. Okay. We have a serious homelessness problem, and I'm from Southern California, born and raised all my life, parents too. Do you think that money that we give to the people coming across the border, we can help the homeless people here and take care of our problems here? Well, I think, and thank you for calling, uh, Janie. One of the things I think, and just to keep it short, I have to go to a break here in a minute, and I do see a lot of calls on there, uh, everybody. Um, I think one of the the problems that we have facing this is that we think that just money is the answer. And I think there needs to be something more than that. I think that there's something more. Clark from Irvine, welcome to Southern California Live. Hi, how's it going? How you doing, Clark? Can you hear me? Yeah. Good, how are you? Good. Um, yeah, I just, uh, I just, I get so turned off when we start to sort of loop all homeless people into that, you know, that bucket of crazy. Right. You know, um, so I just want us as Christians to have it, to start at least have our knee jerk be a heart of Jesus and want to help. Now, some people are beyond help, but some people aren't, you know, and so it's, a, a nice warm bed for one night could really, you know, be the, the kickstart to turning their life around. Yes. So I, I just don't want our knee-jerk as Christians to be, no. You yeah, know, I, I want us to at least consider accommodating them. I think we need to find a way to have discernment and to understand that. I'll talk about that more when we get back a little bit from the break. I appreciate your, your call, Clark, and your thoughts on that. We're talking about uh, how to deal with the homeless, and we're inspired by, in this conversation, I don't want to maybe inspired is the wrong word, but what's, what's brought up this conversation is the idea that sports betting that will be on the ballot this year in California, uh, that some people are saying that the sports betting where some of the money will go to the state will, will help people not be homeless. And the city of San Francisco and different groups in the Bay Area are asking people, homeowners, to help homelessness by inviting homeless people into your homes. Would you do that? What is it that will really that you think we should do as a believer? If you're a Christian, you're listening to our program, and many of you are. Is this something that we ought to do? What's our call before the Lord? Eight 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 five two eight two five five seven. You're listening to the Tuesday edition of Southern California Live. I'll be right back in just a moment. Stay tuned. Welcome back, everybody, to Southern California Live. Scott Furrow here with you today. And we're talking about homelessness and sports betting, which should not go together in the same sentence, but it is. Sports betting vote could help. We're going to vote on sports betting, whether that's allowed here in California this year. And uh, one of the things being proposed is that the money that the state gets because of your sports betting will go to help the homeless in crisis here. The number is 888-LA-TALKS, 888-528-2557. What do you think about this? And also, uh, what's your, what has your, been your experience? Because the other thing that is on our mind here is the Bay Area that's having such a terrible time with homelessness, um, worse than Los Angeles, by the way, but we're headed there. Uh, they're calling on homeowners to help house homeless residents. Would you let a homeless person 
moved into your home? And have you had that experience? Have you done that before? Why don't you share that experience? 888-528-2557. I want to get to Carol from Costa Mesa. Carol, thank you for holding so long. Welcome to our program. I'll be right Hi. back. Hi. Hi. I'm, I'm glad you're not leaving yeah, us. Uh, you can put me on hold if you want to and go get your lunch. No, 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 no. Just okay, kidding. I don't want to do All right. That. Um, yeah. I, my husband had died, oh, two years before this happened. Okay. And I had a house to myself. Uh, and I uh, met a, an elder, a 50-year-old-ish lady. Uh, and she um, told me, that she was living homeless, and uh, she wasn't asking for me to take her in, but I offered. And yeah. uh, she did have a job, and uh, she agreed to pay me uh, $200 a month. And it worked out for quite a while until my daughter was coming home, and I was saying I need to make sure everything is really well uh, good for my daughter because she was having some issues. So, yeah, it worked out for a while, for over half a year. And that was through the winter. I felt that's good. In April, she uh, had to leave. And so she was a Christian. I I found that out right away. uh, Yeah. So in her case, she, uh, she had a job. Was she actually on the street or was she living in her car or just losing an apartment? What was her situation when you took her in? Well, she was actually living in a field. Okay. Uh, she was uh, had a, a sleeping bag or something out in a field that she would go ho- to, home to um, okay. before she slipped, uh, you know, stayed at my home. All right. And what happened after she left your home? Do you know? Uh, she had a friend that did take her in. She was going to church. Yeah. And uh, someone from the church, I think, took her in for a um, I don't right. know for how long, but she would she wouldn't uh, communicate with me. She didn't have a friendly. Um, I did see her mm-hmm. beyond that, mm-hmm. and I did try and uh, yeah. you know just talk to her and. Just All right, be Carol. Thank you, thank you for uh, sharing your story. I'm glad that you had a great experience, and uh, thanks for calling, Dave in L.A. Dave, welcome to Southern California Live. Dave, are you with me? Hello, Dave from Los Angeles. Dave from L.A. All right, Dave, we'll put you on hold. We'll come back to you here in just a moment. Oh, Dave's gone. <clears throat> Dave had a story that he wanted to, uh, that he wanted to share. Um, somebody asked me, um, what is, uh, how much money does the state get, the schools get from the lottery? And we talked about how when we had the lottery and that whole idea of the push was, is help California schools, right? That you can play the lottery and doing so, you're helping the schools. Here's the deal. Uh, according to the state website, each pupil gets about $215.80 a year. This is 2018 numbers um, from the California lottery, two, uh, $215.80. The teachers union dues are $916 for each teacher. Uh, so some of that helps the teachers pay for that. I don't know what $215 is per pupil. That's what, uh, to, you know, $4,000 a classroom, uh, maybe a little more than that. Uh, how much is that? How much is, you know, I, I don't know. Uh, I'm sure every little bit is helping. If you're a teacher, I know that you're out buying your own pencils and you're buying pencils for your students and everything. Maybe you ought to go to that a little bit better. 
Um, do we really expect that sports betting is going to help homelessness? I, I think the money's not not the issue as much. You need the money for sure, but I don't think that's the issue. 888-528-2557, 888-LA-TALKS. Would you bring a homeless person into your own home in order to help this situation? Um, let's see. Um, Michelle from San Diego. Michelle, welcome to Southern California Live. Yes, hello. How you doing, How Michelle? You? I'm good. Good, thank you. Awesome. What's your experience? Yes, I actually took in a, a woman who was obviously stranded at nighttime and she was just walking around aimlessly and I just you know I couldn't stand to see that so I invited her into my home for the night and helped her to you know be able to take a shower just provided her some just I think normalcy is what maybe she needed at that point yeah and after a bit of time then I took her back you know and I um, expressed to her that I hope that, you know, she could find something, you know, better than this situation, if there was anything else that I could do for her. And she was very perfectly happy with that kind of help, you know. So I wish I could have done more, but I don't think I would ever take somebody in long term to my own home, you yeah. know. There's yeah. certainly some some risks involved with that, right? You don't you don't necessarily oh, know if absolutely. they're if they're dangerous. Yeah, uh, uh, I think I might have lost you there, uh, uh, Michelle. Yeah, thank no, you. For, it's okay. Oh, you're back now. All right. Well, Michelle, thank you for calling. Uh, Stephanie in Burbank, welcome to Southern California Live. Uh, a comment about homeowners uh, hosting the homeless. I yeah. think if the state maybe wants to do this, that um, the person, the homeless person, needs a psych evaluation, maybe a criminal background, and find a document that they will leave when asked because I tried to help somebody and I almost got raped. Okay. So you had kind of a rough experience then, obviously, scary experience. Uh, with yeah, what I tried when to you... help this person. And yeah. So, uh, you know, but I think that, if the state cannot handle what's going on and they're inviting homeowners to, uh, you know, um, take people in, they, they should do, you know, an evaluation of some sort and match them up with people. Uh, you know, that uh, can be done. And then the person needs to, you know, have a commitment, the homeless person, that, you know, if you're in trouble, if you're, you know, going to burn down a house or, you know, rape somebody, that uh, they got to leave. And uh, That should be on the application? Yeah, you know, that's what I'm talking about. Like, uh, you know, you're homeless and you really do one health. And, uh, it's really hard, you isn't to, it? Uh, go by the rules. Yeah. And okay. And there's this evaluation thing. Yeah. All right. Thank you very Thanks. much, Stephanie, for your call. And, uh, you know, it is uh, – there's a lot of different nuance, you know, that we're, we're getting at here. One of the things that uh, is happening in the Bay Area and other places now is uh, some nonprofits are cropping up where they are like Airbnbs where for homeless people where you say to this other organization that will help you find somebody to uh, come move into your home. So it's not random. Um, supposedly, the people who that are moving in your home have been screened uh, by these nonprofits. And it works like Airbnb, except obviously uh, somebody else is paying that, and, and they pay you. They pay you a little rent for that person living in your home. There's definitely some risk there, but it gives uh, these people a little space. I think that's not a, not a bad idea. 
Um, sometimes it's worked pretty well. Sometimes it hasn't been that great. Um, there are people in different stages of homelessness, and I think that is a big part of this. Uh, Michelle was talking about psych evaluations, and most people who are homeless have pretty serious psychological problems, and sometimes they had them you know, to begin with, and that's why they're homeless. Um, other times they didn't have them until they started living on the street. Um, or until they started having addictions, where addictions is a huge part of this. Um, I think that I was listening to a guy on the radio who's talking about the tiny houses that uh, L.A. is providing in some areas now for homeless people. And across the country, there's different tiny house movements. And some of the problem is, is that the tiny house neighborhoods aren't, um, do not become very safe. And then suddenly it's not very safe to live there. And this guy said he's a homeless guy and he was living in the tiny house community and it worked for him. He said, but most people, he says, who got their tiny house, they had so many problems with uh, alcohol and drugs that they forgot they owned a tiny house and they were there for one night and they never came back because they couldn't find it afterwards. So what do you do for, for those people? I think there's something different here. 888-528-2557, would you invite a homeless person to live in your house? Would you do it through an organization that screens people beforehand, like a nonprofit? Is this something that uh, Christians ought to do? Rachel from San Diego, thanks for calling California Live. How you doing, Rachel? Hello. Hi, Rachel. Okay, uh, thank you for having this topic, and thank you for taking my call. Yeah. Um, the mayor of the mayor of L.A. I heard him. He said the debt is too great to help the homeless, and I'm concerned. What can our government do? And I'm, I know you just mentioned those tiny homes. So I wish maybe even some of those could be uh, made. Yeah, for to help all the homeless. And I I can't take any homeless person. I do care about them, but I can't take anybody in because. I feel I would only help my family first. Okay. All right. Let me ask you this question, Rachel. Is this the government's responsibility or is it the people or even the church's responsibility? See, okay, that's okay. That would explain what the, the mayor of LA said the debt is too great. Mm-hmm. But why did they become homeless? I understand maybe the circumstances and then, like, on Sunday it's going to be the Super Bowl, so the city wanted to clean up the area so it doesn't look so terrible. But if we, I even heard someone say in the news, if we're going to shush off the homeless. Yeah, that's a regular practice whenever there's a lot of people coming or, yeah. or media or things. So, but where I'm kind of headed with this is, you know, he says the debt is too great. There's um, more and more money we're pouring into this, but now we're even looking to maybe sports betting or we're looking to other ways of raising money. Is this ultimately the responsibility of the government or ought this be the responsibility of the people, the church, nonprofits, other organizations? Who should be responsible for the homeless? Uh, Rachel, thank you for calling. I've got to go to a break, but I want to come back to that question here. Who ought to be ultimately responsible? How did the government end up being the primary organization to help people who are homeless? And how's the government doing? This is Southern California Live. You can join this conversation by calling 888-528-2557, 888-LA-TALKS, 888-528-2557. I'll be right back with your Tuesday edition of Southern California Live. Stay tuned. Welcome back, everybody, to Southern California Live. 
Scott Furrow with you today. We are talking about homelessness and asking the questions uh, about whether or not you would invite a homeless person into your home to help them. And have you ever done that? What's your experience been? And we have talked about it from different angles. When we left at the break, we were talking about and asked the question, is it the government's role to help or is it the people's role? Or maybe more specifically, what's the role of the church in all of this? What ought we do? 888-528-2557. 888-LA-TALKS is the phone number. 888-528-2557. Natasha in Los Angeles, welcome to Southern California Live. Hi, thank you. Thanks for introducing this topic. I think it's extremely disrespectful for the government to expect its citizens to uh, clean up the streets just for cameras. And they don't want to show L.A. for what it really is, which is, or, you know, California in general, which is extremely high, you know, rent spaces or just spaces for people to be able to afford housing. Oh, and it's definitely a fake thing, isn't it, are, cleaning everything up? And the government yeah, and, uh, makes you know, that happen. Everyone is, yeah, everyone is, you know, practically too, the average man is two paychecks away from, you know, being homeless. Everyone is trying their best to stay in their own home and afford gas and afford food. Um, so that's just not right. They want to have a separation of church and state, and then all of a sudden when it's time to do things, they look to the church or look to the Christians and try to guilt trip people into cleaning up the mess that they made. So I don't think that would be safe. I don't think that's effective. I think they're just trying to clean stuff up and then dump them back out again. What role do you think the church ought to play with long-term helping uh, in this crisis? I think they need to stick to what they've been doing and help get souls saved because Jesus is the only way that people's lives are really going to be changed mm. and get out of the cycle of poverty and break those generational curses that have them addicted to trying to fill this void that they keep trying to put substances in that only Jesus can fill. There's lots of reasons that are at the core of homelessness, and that is some of it, right, is that people end up in trouble often because of decisions they've made um, with addiction or alcohol or other things like that. All right, Natasha, thanks for calling uh, Southern California Live. Definitely uh, an issue, too, that cities try to hide this when there's a big event, right? Los Angeles is doing it. Uh, San Francisco has been on the news so much because of uh, the crises that they are having. Here's an interesting statistic for you. Uh, There is an organization called the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development, and they have a survey of actual spending from country to country on social spending, social programs uh, of all kinds, including homelessness, including other things. Uh, As you would expect, the top of the list for public social spending is lots of European countries. Uh, France, number one, 31% of their GDP is spent on social programs. Finland, Belgium, Denmark, Italy, and I keep going down that list. It is uh, all uh, European countries. Um, but eventually get down to the United States uh, on there. And uh, let's see, where did it go here? I lost it. The, law, the uh, United States is about uh, 27% um, on that list. Um, well, I'm sorry, about se- uh, 19% on that list. But what's interesting is they also have a um, list of the same list of total net social spending that also includes nonprofit giving, 
And this is something that you might find very interesting because you don't hear about this very much. France is 31% of public social spending. If you add nonprofits and what people give extra in France to social spending, it only goes up by 0.2%. Almost all help in France, and the same is true with all of these other European nations, comes uh, from the government through taxation, through uh, the policies that they have. In the United States, the number is 18.7% of social spending comes of our GDP is social spending, okay, 18.7%. And by the way, if you want to compare that, say, to military spending, we spend 3.75% of GDP in our military. Overwhelmingly, our government is spending money more than anything else in social spending. But here's something interesting. If you take the number of nonprofit giving, people just in their generosity, and you add it to what the government does, The United States comes in at 29.6%. We're second in the world on the amount of money that we spend on social spending. That's pretty surprising, isn't it? I mean, I've always heard about uh, how much all these uh, sort of other nations are spending and there's the safety net and things like that. But in our country, the way it works is we have the government that spends 18.7% of tax dollars or of GDP on social spending. But if you add in what's given to nonprofits, We are almost number one. We're number two in the world. Only France is ahead and barely, 29.6. So in our country, 29.6% of our GDP is spent on social programs. 29.6. How's it going? 30% and yet homelessness is getting worse. Other social crises are getting worse. How's it going? I think not so good. 888 Five two eight two five five seven. We got a time maybe for one or two more calls. Ben from Panorama City. Ben, welcome to Southern California Live. Hey, how you doing? I'm doing okay. How are you? What's on your mind? Uh, well, I've been living in Panorama. I mean, in the San Fernando Valley area for about thirty years plus, and about a decade or more ago, there were all these few like handful of homeless people that we knew that you know we either donated on the street. We've also been donating to LA missions in our area, trying to help them. Uh, but I think we're at the point where you have a local government that's importing uh, not just homeless people at this point, drug addicts uh, or needs to be on a mental institution and such. I, I think that's kind of unfair to say that uh, the local population or the community uh should be having a hand in helping them because I don't think we're equipped to do that. Mm-hmm. And uh, and we're just way overwhelmed because we just went from homeless, you know, like a few handful of people in our community to in thousands and upon thousands of people. So, uh, like I say, this is um, takes a whole different image when it's the a, government it's... is bringing this upon the community. Yeah, you know what I would just say here is that it's not working that what we're doing together, however you want to break it down. It's not really working. It's getting a little worse. All right, Ben, thanks for calling uh, Southern California Live. Hey, friends, just a couple of thoughts here. Uh, It's an overwhelming topic, homeless. And if you've been working with homeless people, and I encourage you to do that through your church or through another organization, the Gospel Mission, uh, some places that are really working hard on this. Studies have shown, including one at UCLA recently, the LA Times was reporting, that prevention by its nature is a one-time relatively modest intervention. And what they're saying is that trying to get people help before they become homeless is probably the best answer. And this is a big role, I think, for the church in our communities. 
Um, this is not a role that the government people who are off in Sacramento or they're off in the city council, the county board of supervisors, other places, they're going to be able to do. The church has a role here. I think we have a response to Scripture in helping people who are in trouble. Proverbs fourteen thirty one: whoever oppresses a poor man insults his maker, but he who is generous to the needy honors him. We honor our maker when we're generous to the needy. There's a whole lot about being wise, uh, a whole lot about in the scripture about how to do this, but there is so much about helping people who are poor. And I believe that as churches together, if we were working harder to help people prevent them from getting there, uh, and studies have shown this out, even with government money, if you're going to use government money, maybe there's a better angle to it. Maybe we need to spend more time trying to stop people from becoming homeless and then we can focus on people who are already homeless to really try to help them with their mental things. It's such a it's such a huge deal. And I think we need to be honest about this. What bugs me a lot about some of these articles and some of the stuff coming out from the government stuff is that it's talking about people who are down on their luck, who just need some help, and uh, they just need shelter and whatever. And then you end up with policies that are encouraging drug use, that are encouraging terrible behaviors, that are the behaviors that lead to homelessness anyway – and it just gets worse and worse and worse. And we're seeing that in our cities. We're seeing that in such a way that it's shutting down our country. And it's taking more and more resources out of the country. Uh, and it's not helping. I think as believers, we have something that we can do to help. I would encourage you, as somebody said, to get involved, use discernment, and ask God what he wants you to do. I'm not sure that God wants us to invite people who are on the street into our homes or if that's safe. I think sometimes he does. Sometimes that's worked out. But as we've seen, there's there are dangers with that. Maybe one of the ways that we can all help is to pay a lot of attention to the people around us who are close to getting on the street. I read one survey that said that people who end up homeless and they do not have drug addictions, they do not have alcohol problems, they, they do not have mental problems, that once they're on the street for whatever the reason – it takes about two weeks before they start to develop those problems. There's not a lot of time. And in my experience, the people that I've been able to really help through our church or people who come by the church are people who are on the brink, newly homeless, living in their car, um, and have family they can go to. This is a very, very hard thing. I believe that as a church, and for all of us listening, and when I say church, I mean all of us, capital C, church, this is a role for us. We in our churches need to pay a lot more attention here because I don't think personally the government can't really do it. They're not really designed to do it. It's not what they're for. We started doing this 100 years ago with the New Deal and other stuff, and what unfortunately happened is the church abdicated its role in making sure that we were taking care of the poorest of the poor in our own communities. There's a whole lot of other things on top of it, but something to think about Something as we think about the homeless problem that's getting worse and worse and worse, what we're doing is throwing more and more money at it, but it's getting worse and worse. We have the hope to offer through Jesus Christ. We have the opportunity and the calling, I would say, in our communities to give out this hope, to be prepared to give a reason for the hope, and it begins there. All right, we're done for this hour of Southern California Live. We'll be back in just a couple of minutes. This is the Tuesday edition of SoCal Live. I'll be right back. 
Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.